This episode of the Good Lion Podcast is brought to you by CGN and the upcoming Calvary Global Network International Conference. Hi, friends. Brian Broderson here, and I want to let you know about the CGN International Pastors and Leaders Conference coming up here at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, June 25th through the 28th. Our theme this year is the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And oh, how we need the Spirit of God uh, to be upon us in these days. So we're going to be digging down into that great text from Isaiah 61. We're going to be looking at all the different facets of it. we got a number of great voices that are going to be speaking to us. We're going to have times of prayer and worship and lots of fellowship and enjoying meals together and all kinds of wonderful things. So if you would like to be part of this conference coming up in June, uh, please get signed up today. You can do that at conference.calvarychapel.com. Once again, that is the CGN International Pastors and Leaders Conference, June 25th through the 28th. Hope to see you there. Recently, we got a question from a listener. They asked, Hey, Good Lion Podcast. How do you as a Christian deal with intrusive thoughts, specifically intrusive thoughts that deal with doubt and discouragement? Many times I'm just trying to live my Christian life and follow the Lord, but from time to time I'm hit with these random, sudden, intrusive thoughts that cause me to wonder if any of this stuff is even real. Man, what a great question. For those of you not familiar with intrusive thoughts, let me break it down for you. Intrusive thoughts are those pesky little ideas that pop into our heads uninvited and unwanted. They can range from mildly annoying to the downright disturbing, and they can be incredibly difficult to deal with. You might find yourself thinking about something you shouldn't or imagining something terrible happening to someone that you care about. These thoughts can be absolutely maddening. Now, some might say that these thoughts are just a part of the natural process of being human and in some ways they're right we all have thoughts that we don't necessarily want to have but when these thoughts start to take over our lives and interfere with our ability to function that's when we truly have a problem i remember reading this from carl Jung. he said what you resist persists and that's certainly true when it comes to intrusive thoughts the more we try to push them away or ignore them the more they seem to come back i know for myself i had struggles with this exact thing. Although it wasn't doubt or discouragement, it was actually. And this might be something some of you might find kind of humorous. At the time, I didn't find it humorous at all. But for whatever reason, when I was in middle school, I would get these random intrusive thoughts that were full of profanity. I would get these random intrusive thoughts that were just full of profanity, just cussing. (laughs) And I know for some of you listening, it's like, well, what's the big deal? For me, it was a big deal at the time because these intrusive thoughts tended to pop into my mind when I was praying. So I'm trying to be before the presence of God. And then (laughs) in the middle of a prayer, these swear words would just pop into my mind. And I wasn't doing it on purpose. They were, it was just literally intrusive thoughts, psychologically forcing themselves into my mind. And this caused me to go through a season of doubt regarding my salvation, because I thought if I was a Christian, why would I think thoughts like this? Surely a Christian wouldn't think thoughts like this. God must be so offended. He must hate me for having these kinds of thoughts. And it was only after some time and reflection and some speaking to some trusted mentors that I realized, one, 
These thoughts weren't coming from me. I wasn't willingly choosing to think these thoughts. It's literally this psychological phenomena where these random thoughts pop into your mind. It's literally just a part of being a fallen, sinful human. The other thing was a God who was literally willing to come down and save humanity even though he knew that they would nail him to a cross and crucify him is certainly big enough to handle my stupid little middle school intrusive thoughts. The grace of God is much bigger than we could possibly imagine and I believe that God had so much compassion for me in that struggling state as a little sixth grade boy. For the person who asked the question and for anyone listening who struggles with intrusive thoughts, God sees you, he cares, he knows what you're going through, and I think this episode is going to be helpful for you. Intrusive thoughts are a common experience for many Christians. These thoughts can take many forms, such as doubts about one's faith, feelings of guilt, or fears of judgment. They can be persistent and distracting, causing us a lot of mental and emotional turmoil. As Christians, we're called to live in faith and trust in God, but these intrusive thoughts can make that difficult. I think firstly, it's important to understand that intrusive thoughts are not unique to just Christians. These are a natural part of the human experience and can be caused by so many factors, such as anxiety, stress, or even trauma. However, for Christians, these thoughts can be really really distressing because they can challenge our beliefs and create doubt in our mind. Oftentimes, the experience of doubt can be like a hammering on the door of our house by an unwelcomed visitor. However, doubt is not necessarily a bad thing. It can be a sign of intellectual honesty and can lead us to deeper understanding in our faith. I think it takes a lot of intellectual honesty to stop and look at your faith and go, Hmm, if I didn't grow up in this, if this had not been fed to me by my loving parents and my loving pastors and leaders every single day, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every night at the dinner table, maybe there's a chance that I wouldn't actually believe this if I just heard about it for the first time today. That's intellectual honesty. Now, just because you have doubts about something does not conclude that that thing is not true. It's just a matter of being honest that sometimes it's actually hard to believe true things. Now, I would say one of the best ways for a Christian that intrusive thoughts of doubt and discouragement can be countered is by turning to Scripture. The Bible offers so many verses that can provide comfort and reassurance. For example, in Psalm 34, 4, we read, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. This reminds us that God is always there for us, even in times of fear and doubt. Another helpful passage is Romans 8, 38-39, which says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers or height or depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This reminds us that nothing can separate us from God's love, not even our own doubts and fears. He doesn't look at us and say, how dare you doubt me? No, he, he understands that doubting and fear is very often a part of the human experience. 
It's also important to remember that we are not alone in our struggles with intrusive thoughts. In 1 Peter 5, 8-9, we're told, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. This reminds us we're a part of a larger community of believers who are all facing similar struggles. The enemy loves to attack our mind. The heart and mind are so linked. The enemy knows that if he can get to our mind, he can get to our heart. Another extremely valuable tool in this is prayer. In Philippians 4, 6-7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. This tells us we can turn to God in prayer for comfort and peace. Going back to that verse in 1 Peter 5, 8-9, it says, Resist the devil, right? Standing firm in the faith. One thing that I have found to be extremely helpful, whether it's dealing with temptation or doubt or discouragement, is actually, it, it's the concept of resisting the devil. Instead of just fleeing from the devil and running away from him and trying to hide from him, there's something to be said about standing firm against him. And oftentimes what that looks like, what, what spiritual combat looks like, is prayer. When you're hit with a doubt and discouragement, spend some time praying first for yourself and then for like five other friends you know who might be going through that exact same thing. And you might be listening and thinking, oh, Aaron, what, what, why? I'm doubting that God even exists. And now you're asking me to pray. Here's the thing. Let's say hypothetically God doesn't exist. If that's the case, at least you spent five minutes thinking positive thoughts about your friends in sort of a meditative state, wrestling through your feelings. You know, if God doesn't exist, it's this meditative self-reflection, right? But if God does exist, which I'm very much convinced he does, then those five minutes in prayer is essentially you waging spiritual warfare, connecting to the heart and the spirit of God and his character and his love for the world, by praying for yourself and your friends who doubt, you are engaging in spiritual warfare. You're catching the fiery darts of the enemy and throwing them back in his face because you're inviting the presence and the spirit of God into the life of yourself and the life of your friends. You're inviting the spirit of truth to speak knowledge and wisdom and care and comfort directly into your heart. You're asking Jesus to calm the storm of your doubt and anxiety and fear. There is absolute power behind that. Another helpful strategy in this battle is to focus on gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. By focusing on the things we're grateful for, we can shift our attention away from these intrusive thoughts and onto the blessings in our lives. Ultimately, it is so important to remember that our thoughts do not define us. 
In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, it says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is so key. However, despite the powerful tools and reassurances that scripture gives us, Christians might also find themselves struggling with intrusive thoughts that seem to persistently invade their minds. This can create this dilemma for us Christians. How can we maintain our faith and trust in God while at the same time battling thoughts that seem to undermine it? To solve this dilemma, we have to remember that we are not powerless in the face of our thoughts. We can actively work to redirect our thoughts and focus our attention on things that strengthen our faith. This requires a deliberate, intentional effort to change the patterns of thinking that contribute to intrusive thoughts. Now, this is going to sound so simple, but I think it's so key. One of the most effective things to focus on first is just the reality of Jesus as truth. What does Jesus say about himself? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. In John 8, 32, Jesus says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It is so important when you're reading through scripture, when you're wrestling through scripture, when you're reading something in the Old Testament that is so confusing and it causes you to doubt, or when you're reading something by Paul and you're just like, this Paul guy is really hard to understand. By the way, side note, even Peter himself wrote in one of his epistles, hey guys, Paul is a little hard to understand. So even the Bible acknowledges that sometimes it is hard to understand. If I could go back in time, I would say, hey Paul, can you please just add some footnotes explaining exactly what you meant about this, this, and this theological point. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But like I said, when you're reading scripture and you're dealing with these doubts and these passages that, and you're just like, you're just, you just feel like you're falling down this rabbit hole and you're lost in scripture and wondering what it means. Come back to what Jesus says. You search the scriptures, but you fail to realize that they point to me. The whole story of the Bible, the entire message of the Bible is Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say. The Bible is the written word of God and Jesus is the living word of God that the Bible points to. So I always encourage people when you're struggling with doubts, go back to Jesus, immerse yourself in Jesus as truth. It doesn't mean that you won't sometimes have a hard time believing what Jesus says or that all of your questions will be instantly answered. But can you put yourself in a frame of mind that is open to accepting that Jesus is the way and the truth? Another strategy is to seek out the support of other believers. As it says in Hebrews 10, verse 24 through 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our gathering together as some people do, but let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. As I've spent so many years talking to young people, who grow up in youth group and grow up in Christianity and then hit this point in their faith where they're really, really struggling. A lot of times I'll ask them, do you have Christian community around you? Do you have people that are consistently pointing you to Christ? And more often than not, the answer will be like, ah, no, I just haven't found that yet. And, and I think that can be one of the greatest detriments to our faith is not surrounding ourselves with other believers who can offer encouragement and accountability, Christians who can point us to ways to strengthen and preserve our faith in this crazy 
postmodern, post-Christian world. Ultimately, the key to overcoming intrusive thoughts is to cultivate a deep, abiding trust in God. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6, one of my favorite verses in the entire universe is, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. By trusting in God's wisdom and guidance, we can navigate the challenges of these intrusive thoughts and emerge stronger in our faith. Brian, I got a question from a buddy of mine who sent this in. He said, have you ever struggled with intrusive thoughts related to your faith? Like, for instance, he says he was recently reading the Bible, you know, 1 Peter 1, 20, which talks about Christ being with the Father before the foundations of the world. He's reading that and then it just hits him. He's like, wait, what if I'm wrong? Or like, what if other faiths are actually true? He says these thoughts can be really frustrating and make it really difficult to even read scripture and believe in what you know to be true. Have you ever dealt with this before or do you have any advice on how to handle these thoughts? What would you say to him? That's an interesting question. I would say that I have dealt with similar things. I, I, I don't know if I would say that I've had the exact same experience, but we're yeah. two different people. So, of course, we haven't had the exact same experience. <laughs> right. But generally, that idea makes sense to me of every once in a while thoughts beginning to creep in and being like, whoa, where where is this coming from? Like, why am I thinking this way? So I I, I can relate. I, I don't think that you're the crazy broken one for having those thoughts or, or anything like that. How to deal with them kind of depends on what the thought is. You know, sometimes you have these ridiculous thoughts that are just a new opportunity has arrived. And so you just like think a weird thing. Like, I, I think that everybody has had the thought of like, I'm in my school right now. If an active shooter situation happened, what would I do? And like part of how you deal with that thought is you're like, well, that's not happening. So I don't yeah. need to worry about it. Like, yeah. So if it's like a, a thing like that, I think it's just trying to ground that thought back in what is actually happening at the moment. Well, if it's he, like he, a, he, let, me, let me just interrupt really quick because I just mm -hmm. want to point out he is saying his intrusive thoughts are kind of connected to to doubts where he's a guy who grew up Christian home childlike faith now he's hit an age of maturity and he's getting points in his life where he's like reading scripture and at one point it was like yep checks the box yes talking snakes yes resurrection from the dead it yes mm -hmm. it all makes sense because the bible tells me so the bible said it i believe it that settles it and now he's like he's getting these intrusive thoughts where it's like hey what if that's not actually true what if that's just something people made up like there's other religions that aren't true what if this is one of them how do how do i know you know as a christian how do you deal with those kind of intrusive thoughts the biggest thing i would say is don't just tell yourself to stop thinking that mm. like you're not going to just silence that chat in your mind. That's not going to work like those thoughts. If they are rising to the surface, the beautiful thing is they can be dealt with there for all of those questions. There are genuinely good answers. Like a lot of really, really smart Christians throughout the years have compiled incredible resources on how we know that Christianity is true. So like I've heard so many people bring up the idea of like, how do I even know that the Bible's reliable? Like, how do I know it's not different? 
It's like, okay, well, go to Charlie Campbell's website and see what kind of information he has to say about that. Go to gotquestions.org. Go talk to your pastor. Go bring that up in your community group. Like, give some voice to those things, and you will find that a lot of people have put a lot of effort into providing good answers. So if you're coming at it from the place of, I actually want to have this question solved for me, then go seek out the answer. Go ask the question from a few different places. Don't just tell yourself, oh, well, that that isn't really me. That's not really my thought. I don't actually have to entertain this. I, I would say, no, entertain it. Like, really try to track down the best answer you could possibly find. Because really good resources are out there, and as you grapple with a doubt, it becomes less scary as you grapple with it, I've found. It feels yeah. like to engage with it is to make it more scary. I've, I've generally found it's the opposite. Has that kind of been your experience? Yeah, like I think of it as, imagine if a wolf broke into your bedroom. What if you decided you were just going to do nothing about it and just learn to live with it, you know? Like, let's say the wolf, like, wasn't biting you, but it was kind of, like, growling at you and making faces at you. And you were like, I'm not going to try to solve this problem. I'm just going to exist with this wolf. Well, then what you're going to live in constant fear and uncertainty because you're always going to wonder if that wolf is going to strike. I think in the same way, when it comes to doubts, a lot of times we just want to repress them because we're afraid of what we might find if we investigate them. I love what Dominic Doan says. He says, have the courage to doubt your own doubts, you know? <laughs> and and I think I think the, the reality is, for those of us, I'm talking to all of you nice, sweet Christian kids, like me and Brian, who grew up in the church. If you were born into a Muslim family and taught the Muslim faith, there is a very good chance that you would blindly accept it, point blank, for a very long time. As someone who believes that Christianity is the one true way and that Jesus is the most compelling thing out there, I want the Muslim to get to a point where they start engaging with their doubts about their faith. And they go, hey, some things aren't adding up. And I want them to explore. And I would hope that the Holy Spirit would then lead them to what I deeply believe is the truth. I think every Christian kid is going to face this the challenging thing, and maybe you've dealt with this too, Brian, but I've, I've got kids that used to be in my youth group and they had doubts and they explored them. And those doubts actually led them away from the faith. And that's, that's not what I want. Like, I don't want that to happen, but it does happen. And I'm praying let that, me, yeah, go ahead. Let me ask a question about that. Yeah. Generally speaking for people where you've watched doubts lead them away from the faith, when you say they've explored those things, do you mean that they genuinely, wholly worked to seek out an answer from solid, reputable Christian sources? Or do you mean that they just heard a lot of other people have the same doubt? Yeah, no, that's, I'm glad that you pointed that out because I'm thinking of one person in particular and I remember. Name I, him. No, don't. It's a her. Don't do that. <laughs> it's a it's a her. And I, I love her to pieces. But we were having a conversation and she was like, yeah, Aaron. Yeah, the kid who used to be in my youth group. She, she was like, yeah, I just I just don't really know how I feel about Christianity anymore. And I was like, well, can you get into it? Like what brought you there? And she she listed off, you know, 
some political things. She listed off some ways that Christians had acted badly in the culture. And, and I, I told her, I was like, Hey, I resonate with all of that. Like, I don't like any of that either. <laughs> you know, I'm not happy about any of that. And then I was like, can, can we get specific about where you're struggling with Jesus? Like what is broken down? Like, like leave out the ways that some Christians in the church have behaved. What has been the breakdown between your, you and your understanding of Jesus when you were 14 in the youth group going on missions trips versus now? And I haven't heard back from her, but I'm hoping that I do. And hey, if, if you're listening, this is a reminder. I, I want to hear that breakdown. You promised me that breakdown. I want to have that conversation because to me, a lot of people end up leaving for the wrong reasons because they're confused about Christian behavior and they're interpreting that as like, is that what Jesus is like? And most of the time it's like, no, that is absolutely not what he's like. And in fact, if people understood what he was like, Christians wouldn't act the way that they do sometimes in unfortunate ways. So all, all this to say, you will have doubts and I encourage everyone to face them. And, and that's not like that. Like, hear me out. That is not me saying, if you have doubts, just go and find a bunch of apologetics books that like tell you exactly what you want to hear so that you can keep your faith. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that Jesus wants to lead us to the truth. I truly believe that. And I think if we seek him, we will find him. And that doesn't mean that all of our questions will be answered. I still have unanswered questions, but I do believe that I've, I've, I've definitively found him. And that doesn't, I know that can sound like mumbo jumbo, but to me, it's two things. It's understanding theology and the Bible and all that stuff, apologetics. That's a part of it. The other part of it is experience. I've experienced Jesus in ways that I cannot explain apart from him. <laughs> and so I would encourage anybody struggling with intrusive thoughts, one, study. Like if, if you feel a connection to Jesus and you want to hold on to that, learn about what you believe. There's so much stuff out there these days. There's so many books. You mentioned Charlie Campbell. He's great. There's, there's the Bible project is one of the greatest resources we've ever had on this stuff. The other thing I would say is pray for Jesus to reveal himself to you in a way that is an experience that you can't deny, you know, and it doesn't have to be some crazy big mystical thing. But I truly believe he like he wants to meet us. And I think that is like how we see him responding to doubters. Like, look at Thomas. Thomas, like, he's like, hey, I, I'm not going to believe unless I experience Jesus. I want to see the holes in his hands and the hole in his side. And Jesus doesn't say, Thomas is such a weak, pathetic loser. Like, he saw me do miracles. He saw me raise people from the dead. Isn't that enough? What's wrong with Thomas? He, he actually shows up. And says, Thomas, let me prove myself to you. Here's the, my, here's the holes in my hands. Here's the holes in my side. Check it out, bro. And so I, I believe that's the heart posture of Jesus towards those who doubt. He wants to prove himself to you. And so I would just say, open yourself up to that. Say, Jesus, I, I want you to show yourself to me in a way that I can't deny, you know? I do know. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that idea of being open to experiencing God. And I, I can imagine how some would hear that and would think, oh, well, you can't prove him logically. So you have to try to prove him experientially. And, you know, for some people, like for many people where doubts have drawn them away, the, 
The real thing that I think pulls them is just that nagging question of how can we know? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, you know, the Bible is, you know, it, it's so old. Like, how do we know we can trust it? And, you know, Jesus, we've never seen him. How do we know that he was real? And that kind of le- the, the whole power that that question has is it's so difficult to how far back do you have to untangle? Like it, it can keep you can just keep asking it again and again and again. And you can become if you're not careful, you can become the three year old who's just like, why? Yeah. Oh, well, like we need to eat dinner. Why? So that, that we have kid. nutrients. Why? And like <laughs> you could just keep becoming that. What I like about that idea of, Lord, show me yourself in a way that I can't deny. Show me yourself in a way that is tangible and I can hang on to. That is doubting from a place that wants to believe. You know, that's that's Mark 9. Where the Jesus says to that one father, you know, anything is possible for those who believe. And he says, I, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Yeah. You know, like, I, I want to believe. Please show me whether or not I should, Jesus. When we do that with God, the response is very favorable. Mm. But if you come at it from this place of, well, I, I'm going to lean back and fold my arms and you better prove it to me if you want to keep me in the kingdom, Jesus. Like when we take that attitude, it's almost like we want him to be proven wrong. Mm. And we've all had arguments with friends where they just decided they were not going to be wrong. And so they would say ridiculous things. And it's just the most frustrating experience. Yeah. You can decide that experience with Jesus is frustrating if you want it to be. Mm. Or you can decide, I I want to learn. I want to listen. I just need Jesus to show me in the way that he sees fit. It's good. Now, one thing that we often say, and you'll hear it even on this podcast episode, is that Christians should doubt their doubts. I think this actually raises a complex philosophical issue. On the one hand, it's certainly true that doubt can be a healthy and productive part of critical thinking. Skepticism can help us to question assumptions and uncover hidden biases, which leads us often to a deeper understanding and knowledge. However, when it comes to the matters of faith, doubt can really be this double-edged sword. On the one hand, doubt can lead us to deeper insights and a more robust faith. But on the other hand, doubt can undermine our faith and lead us down this path of skepticism and cynicism where all of a sudden it's just like, I just, I can't believe anything the Bible says. I'm skeptical of everything the Bible says. I'm burned out and jaded on faith because I've watched too many atheist YouTube videos. Like I said, some Christian teachers and apologists argue that doubting your doubts can be a helpful way to navigate this tension. But, you know, a lot of skeptics would then turn around and argue that this approach is simply a way to dissuade Christians from critical thinking and questioning their beliefs. They might say, "Ah, you know, that approach of doubting your doubts, that could be used to justify any belief, no matter how implausible or unsupported by evidence. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Like, you could literally just believe anything. You could believe that the world was created by unicorns. And one day, if we eat enough Skittles and avoid enough M&Ms, we will all go to the Rainbow Kingdom and live happily ever after. You could grow up believing that, and then someone could just say, oh, you know, if you're having doubts, just doubt your doubts. You could literally use that for anything. 
So how can we parse through this issue and come to this deeper understanding of faith? Well, for the Christian, I think one approach is to recognize that doubt and faith are not mutually exclusive. It is possible to have doubts and still maintain a strong faith in God. In fact, I would argue that doubt can be a healthy and necessary part of faith as it can help you question your assumptions, which then leads you to a deeper understanding of God's character and purpose. Here's what I mean by that. Let me give you a practical example. Let's say you are a new Christian and you're flipping through random pages of the Bible and you just happen to come upon the passage where God literally destroys the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, as a new Christian, you have an underdeveloped theology. And so because you haven't read the whole Bible and you haven't sat under teaching and you haven't taken the time to learn and understand the nuances of scripture and the way it all points to Jesus and the meta narrative and all that stuff, you're just looking at, okay, God is destroying a city with fire and brimstone. And so what you are absorbing into your theological shelves in your mind is God is really angry all the time and he is going to destroy my city if I cross him. And it seems like he hates people and he likes to burn people and he loves to turn people's wives into pillars of salt. That's, that's who God is. That's what he's all about. And then at that point, you might start to doubt and you might go, wait, I thought, I thought God was love. I thought Jesus died on the cross for the sins of humanity, but now I'm reading the Sodom story and it's just, man, I'm starting to really doubt God's character. Now, if you just walk away and the rest of your life, you never dive deeper and you just end your faith journey on first I heard about Jesus dying on the cross and I said, sweet, free ticket to heaven. And then I heard about Sodom and Gomorrah and I said, wow, God actually seems like a pretty mean guy. And that's just it. You never explore further. You've actually let your doubt defeat your faith. But if instead you let your doubt draw you into deeper understanding, what does that look like? You go, man, I'm starting, I'm starting to doubt God's character because I heard one thing about God and now I'm hearing another. And then what do you do? You can doubt your doubt. And what that means is you say, okay, I've heard two stories about Jesus. One is the cross and one is Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm doubting that I have the full picture. I'm doubting that I really understand everything there is to know about Jesus and God. And I'm doubting that this is the right place for me to stop my exploration of faith and theological questions. By doubting your doubts, you're actually opening up a door for God to draw you in and say, hey, why don't you go and study this? Why don't you go and ask some questions? Why don't you go and find a mentor who can help wrestle through these questions with you in a compassionate, understanding, non-dismissive way? I've walked down this road before. I've encountered things in the scripture where I go, wow, this really shakes my understanding of who God is and what he's about. And what I've done every time is I've said, okay, now it's time to study this. And then I would dive in and I would study. And the more I would study and, and the more I would learn, two things would happen. One, I would go, wow, this whole God thing is really complex. And there's actually a lot of stuff I don't know. But then at the same time, what would happen is I would go, I am learning things about this God that are contextualizing all of these stories for me. 
and showing me how it all points to Jesus and how he had a plan throughout the entire thing and how his character is actually extremely consistent throughout the entire story of past, present, and future. And again, it was encountering challenging things in scripture, doubting, but then not being afraid to ask questions that opened up those doors for deeper understanding. So doubt can be good. If you read something in the Bible that makes you think that God is a homicidal maniac, it is good to experience some doubt around that concept. The pursuit of truth is always a noble endeavor. At the same time, it's really important to recognize that doubt can also be a stumbling block to faith. If left unchecked, doubt can lead to skepticism and cynicism, undermining our trust in God and ultimately leading us away from the faith altogether. So how can we navigate this tension? I would say one of the most important things we can do is cultivate a posture of openness and humility in our faith. We should be willing to question our assumptions and beliefs, but also willing to listen to the wisdom and insights of others. The goal should be to be open to ideas and perspectives and depth. That doesn't mean just being open to anything because the reality is there are some things that are true and there are some things that are not. But there is so much beauty to be found within the nuances of the faith. The tensions between the quest for ultimate certainty and then the beauty of the unknown and the childlike faith to say, all right, God, I've steadied my brains out on this and I don't fully understand it, but I'm trying to trust. And really that's what it is. Our faith should be grounded in a deep trust and reliance on God. As Christians, we must trust that God is faithful and true, even in the midst of our doubts and struggles. As Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I'm going to end this episode with a silly little allegory that I wrote. Hopefully it's helpful. Once there was a traveler on a long flight. Halfway through the flight, he suddenly became overwhelmed with fear. He started to doubt the reliability of the plane. He was convinced that at any moment, he would simply fall out of that plane and plummet to his doom. He couldn't shake this intrusive thought no matter how hard he tried. His friend sitting next to him noticed his anxiety and spoke to him. Hey man, why are you so afraid? The man replied, the man replied, I'm starting to get all of these thoughts that I'm going to fall out of this plane at any minute. The friend responded, hey, listen, you are securely fastened in your seat. This plane is designed to fly at high altitude and there's no logical way that you could literally just fall out of this plane. In fact, whether or not you have doubts about this plane or don't feel like you understand everything about this plane doesn't change the fact that you're in it. You can't just randomly fall out of the plane. The only way for you to get off of it is to go and open the door and jump out. There's no way that you can simply fall out of the plane. The man listened to his friend's words and began to feel reassured. He realized that his fear was irrational and unfounded, and he chose to trust in the plane and the expertise of the pilot, even though he didn't fully understand everything about who he was and what he was doing. As Christians, we too, like we've said many times, can experience moments of fear and doubt, often in the form of these intrusive thoughts. 
We may feel like we're about to fall out of our faith, but we can rest in the knowledge that God's love and care for us is stronger than any fear. I love the words of Isaiah 41.10. The Lord says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Friends, I know doubts can be hard, and I know intrusive thoughts can be difficult. But I want to assure you that even if you have doubts, even if you have struggles, even if you don't have it all figured out, which, newsflash, none of us do, if you have placed your trust in Jesus, you are safe and secure. Even as you go through moments where your faith wavers and struggles, He is big enough to handle it. My prayer for all of you listening is that your intrusive thoughts, if you struggle with them, would be replaced with thoughts of Jesus and who He is and what He's about and His mission and vision and heart for you. I pray that those would be the thoughts that would invade your heart and mind. Thanks for listening. And until next time, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.